Well, hello, Parkview. My name's Chaz, one of your pastors here on staff, and happy 4th of July weekend. We're so glad to have you all out here this weekend. Um, Let me just start our time together with a word of prayer to pray that God blesses and speaks to us. Father, we love you, and we thank you so much for um, just the opportunity to gather today, and I pray in our time together that you reveal to us through your word what you have us to know about freedom and what you want us to do with that freedom. Thank you so much for all the many blessings you give, and it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Well, 239 years ago today, actually yesterday, King George wrote in his diary, nothing of much importance happen today. You and I both know the irony of that statement because 239 years ago this weekend, 56 different men signed a document that our country knows as the Declaration of Independence. The, The document that declared the freedom that we have in America, a freedom that nobody in any country before us has ever experienced. And we enjoy that freedom. We we love getting to celebrate that freedom like we've all been doing this weekend. One of my favorite memories of the 4th of July is captured in this picture here. It's when uh, I was about 10 years old, and you see the shirt my mom and grandma crammed on me. You can tell they had high hopes for me. And my favorite part of that picture is that that gunpowder smear right there on my shoulder. I don't know my activities that day, if they were appropriate for a future president or not, But it was one of my favorite memories because that year we went over to a friend's house. And uh, at the friend's house, you got to understand, we had a cannon, a literal cannon that we were using to celebrate the 4th of July. Now I understand that might make me a redneck, that I would use a cannon to celebrate the 4th of July. But what we were doing, we were having a competition with the people next door. They had these things called sparkler bombs. Now, for the sake of you parents, I won't explain how to make one of them, but you just have to understand that they're, they're really loud. And, you know, in Missouri, we really know how to celebrate the 4th of July with fireworks. In Illinois, like I know you kind of do the thing where you, you go over to Indiana and you, you bring it back, but if you think of a firework pretty much more dangerous than a sparkler, you get in trouble here in Illinois. But in Missouri, it's just like free game. You can use whatever firework you want, which means you can explode whatever you want in sight. And so for me this year, we were were having this competition with my friends, with my neighbors, and they would make a sparkler bomb and a big explosion. We'd set off our cannon and it'd be a big explosion. And back and forth we went. And, uh, you know, finally, you know, they would make a bigger one and we would make a bigger one. And I remember it being like a good couple of weeks before I got my hearing back and it was great we we all love celebrating freedom but what is freedom really all about I mean what's the real significance what value does it add to our life I'm convinced that many times we don't understand the true meaning and significance of freedom in our life I think this is evident because, well, we define freedom sometimes this way. Well, we'll say this about freedom. We think that freedom is just getting to do what I want, when I want, and how I want to do it. All freedom is is just simply the opportunity for me to do whatever I want. And when we make it all about ourselves. And with this type of definition of freedom, we'll say phrases like this. We'll say, well, just because I can means I should. 
Just because I have the opportunity to do something, that it's available to me, well, then that means I should get to do it, that, that I have the right, the freedom to be able to do that. Or, or we'll say this, we'll say, it just feels right to me. In my context, who I am, just, just what feels right to me in this situation. Because, because if it feels right, well, man, that means I should be able to do it. That, that means, yeah, that's probably just better for me because, because I want to do it and, and it feels right. Or, or we'll say, well, I deserve it, so I should get it. I've worked hard, I've put in my, my time, I've done my dues, and so, so I've earned it, and I deserve it. And we use these phrases to define freedom by saying, well, freedom's just getting to do whatever I want to do. How many of you have seen that, that recent NASCAR commercial? You know, it was playing when the Blackhawks were doing their Stanley Cup thing, and it, you know, it was on TV, and the, the, the race car drivers were driving around with a big megaphone just pr- trying to promote their race, and you know, they were talking about how great America is because, well, it's just the opportunity for you to get to do whatever you want. You can listen to whatever music you want. You can cheer for whatever driver you want. You, you, know, you can wear whatever clothes you want. It, it, America is such a great place because you get to do whatever you want. And I think that's an example of, of this type of freedom, the, the definition of saying, well, it's just getting to do whatever you want. But what if there's more? I mean, what if there, there's so much more to freedom than, than just getting to do whatever you want? See, I'm not saying, don't misunderstand me or mishear me, that you know, choices are a bad thing. Choices aren't an important part of our freedom. Choices are very important. And I think it's great. I think it's fantastic that we all have the opportunity to make so many choices. Um, but what if there was more? Yeah, I think we understand freedom better when we experience more freedom in our life. Don't you remember being 16? And so excited to get a little more freedom, to be so excited to, to get a car and be able to, to drive around on your own and kind of do your thing and be able to drive wherever you wanted and, and drive whenever you wanted. And it was going to be so great to have that freedom. But did that, did that really happen for any of you? It didn't happen for me because, well, there was only so long that I could drive before I had to go to the pump and, and pay money to fill up my gas tank to be able to keep driving. Or if you were like me and had a, a freeloading younger brother who you just had to take everywhere. Sorry, Christian, if you're watching. I love you. But, but, but you had that sibling probably where you had to give rides and, and you couldn't necessarily go wherever you wanted and, and whenever you wanted because with freedom comes responsibility. And freedom doesn't always work out for us the way that we hoped, but we keep hope, and it's not a few years later after you get your driver's license that it starts to become time where you're going to move out of the house. You're going to move out of the tyranny of mom and dad. You know every high school senior thinks that they're living under unfair dictators, right? 
But did you get that freedom? Whether it's going off and getting a job and, and getting your own place and, and starting to work and, and do your own thing that way, or you go off to college and you, know, you get a dorm room and, and you, you go off and do your thing that way. For me, it was going off to college. And, and I remember just being so excited to be out on my own and the opportunity just to get to do whatever I wanted, really. You know, If I wanted to go and hang out with friends and play video games, yeah, that was, that was great. Or it, you know, if I wanted to, to go and play sports with them, or, or if I wanted to do whatever I wanted, and if I wanted to go to class, you know, it was up to me. I had that freedom, and I loved that freedom until I had to do my first load of laundry, right? Or, or, or you know, you have all this unlimited amount of money, you think. And, and so I got to go to, to, to Taco Bell for me is what it was, just as many times as I wanted, and, and until I ran out of money, right? And all I could afford was ramen noodles. Uh, we've all been on the ramen noodle diet before. You see, when we experience freedom, a greater freedom in our life, we understand that with great freedom comes great responsibility. And in fact, if we're not careful, freedom can be an incredibly dangerous thing. It can be uh, an extreme harm to our lives individually and us as a society. I like what Edmund Burke, how, what he observes in freedom. He says this, he says, But what is liberty without wisdom and without virtue? It's the greatest of all possible evils, for it is folly, vice, and madness, without tuition or restraint. Freedom can be an incredibly dangerous thing if we're not careful if we don't understand that with great freedom comes great responsibility and if we don't have the restraint to be able to to use our freedom in the appropriate ways man then it can be really dangerous so what is it what, what is it that we're supposed to do with our freedom? If it's such a great opportunity and we all have experienced in our life, what are we supposed to do with it? Well, I think the Apostle Paul has some important words for us in answering this question. In Galatians chapter 5, if you have your Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me there or a Bible app. We're going to be there in Galatians for the rest of our time together today. And Galatians was a letter written by Paul to the churches in an area of Galatia. And he has some important words about freedom. Actually, we'll see he has three distinct realities about our freedom in Christ. And so in Galatians, chapter 5, Paul begins this way. He says, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. I think it's important, even on weekends like this weekend, where we spend a lot of time celebrating the freedom that we have in America and and rightly so, because there was much sacrifice that went into it. But we also need to understand our freedom in Christ and what he offers us. Because our freedom here in America was started and kicked off with that Declaration of Independence. And those 56 men who signed that, they all endured sacrifice. They, they, they all had to put their neck on the line, and they felt hardship because of it. Many of them lost family members, or they lost possessions, or they lost their very own life. And, and in America, we've had scores and, and years of valiant men and women protecting and defending our freedom 
And we need to honor that. We need to to respect that. We need to acknowledge that on weekends like this. Sometimes that sacrifice being giving their very own life that those valiant men and women have done. One of our own, our very own Aaron Toppin doing that and that sacrifice. But no matter how great and incredible our freedom here in America is, We need to understand that it can never give us what our freedom in Christ offers us. Because our freedom in Christ is more than anything. It is really all that we need in life. And for us to understand our freedom in Christ, I think we first need to understand, well, what was it that Christ freed us from? Because all of us, what he freed us from when we experience freedom in Christ is that he's freed us from the sin that's separated us from God. The the sin and and the corruption in this world that that has left us broken, either from our own bad decisions or, or bad decisions we've felt the consequence of others. Christ comes, and just as our freedom here in America wasn't free, neither is our, our freedom in Christ. Because our freedom in Christ was was paid. For us, by Jesus' death on the cross, the only way that we could experience that freedom from sin that we needed. And he gives it to us freely. Our, Our freedom in Christ wasn't free. And it leads us to our first reality that Paul shows us in this passage, is that freedom in Christ is all we need. All we need is that separation from sin that Jesus offers us in freedom. That, that, that's simply all that we need in life. But notice Paul in this passage. He says, he talks about freedom and he says to stand firm and, and to not let yourselves be burdened again by this yoke of by this yoke of slavery. Burden, again, see, it's, it's not only freedom from sin that, that God gives us through Jesus. It's also the freedom from ridiculous rules and regulations that religion puts on us. Rules and regulations that ultimately just separate people from God. And Christ has come not only to free us from sin, but also to free us from those rules and regulations. And that's why freedom in Christ is all we need. Paul explains this further in the coming verses. And he says, Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you at all. Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by the law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. Now, I know some of you are thinking, what in the world? What does circumcision have to do with freedom? And I see some of you guys getting a little squeamish out there, so just hang with me. Let me explain it here. Because you see, the Christians that Paul was writing to, many of them were Jewish Christians who had a problem understanding that, that the only thing that, that you need, the only thing that you needed to be certified to be a follower of God, to be a child of God, that allowed you to do that was the grace of God. And when we accept that grace through faith, in Jesus. And so they said, yeah, you know, it's important to understand Jesus' death on the cross and the freedom from sin that, get, that, that offers us. But if you really want to be a Christian, if you want to be a true follower of God, then you need to follow these rules and regulations. You need to have circumcision happen in your life. And for a lot of people, they're like, what? 
And this, this kept them away from God. And it made sense for these Jewish Christians because in the Old Testament, circumcision was the identifying marker for the Old Covenant by saying, you know, if you had this, then you were a, a Jew. You, you were one who was a follower of God and you were under that covenant. And Jesus says, yeah, but I've come And I I fulfilled it all. I've fulfilled all of that. And you don't need those anymore. The only thing that matters now is love because he fulfilled it all. They kept saying, yeah, yeah, Jesus' sacrifice is important, but you still need to do these things. Don't you hate yeah, buts in life? I mean, we've all experienced, yeah, but I remember, you know, going to this store and seeing that video game that I wanted, and I said, Mom, oh, Mom, can I have this video game? And she says, yeah, Chaz, I'll buy that video game for you, but you're going to need to clean your room when you get back, right? Or you go to this store, and the salesperson says to you, oh, yeah, you can have this free giveaway. This, This is yours, but you need to still buy these other items if you're going to be able to have this free giveaway. And these, this is what the people Paul was writing to were saying as well. They're saying, yeah, Jesus is great and his freedom is incredible, but you still need to follow our list of rules and regulations if you want to be a true follower. And the sad thing about it, why Paul comes down on them so hard is because these rules and regulations are what separated people from God for years. And unfortunately, it's still present in our church today. People saying, yeah, you know, Jesus is important in his death on the cross, but if you really want to be a Christ follower, well, then you need to follow our rules and regulations. And the problem with that is, when we yeah and but over what Jesus has done for us, we make following God more about ourselves and less about what God is wanting to do in us and how he wants us to live and to do through us. And so we don't understand freedom in Christ when we live like that. And so that brings us to our second reality because when we experience this freedom in Christ, it doesn't doesn't leave us as we are. And brings a transformation in our lives. And, and here's how we're transformed. It's the second reality. It's that freedom in Christ changes our priorities. That when we experience that gift of Jesus through, through God's grace in our life, then our priorities can't help but being changed and transformed. And when we experience it, it sets up that domino effect that leads to transformation of our priorities. Paul continues on and he explains it this way. He says, For through the Spirit we eagerly await by faith the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself 
through love. Now, because of this faith that we have in Jesus, we're transformed to, to look at the world different, to value things different, to have different priorities. And we experience you know, righteousness because of it. We experience that being right before God because of it. That we become more like God when we allow God into our lives. We could say at this day that when we allow God into our lives, what comes out of us and how we live is love and is grace. Have you ever experienced a gift that really just changed your priorities? Chelsea and I have one of those gifts on the way. Her name's Olivia Grace Robbins, and she is due to come November 7th. And yeah, we are so excited. Here is a picture, actually. Here's our picture of our Facebook announcement uh, of the gender reveal. And um, Chelsea and I are just so excited for our gift of Olivia to come in November. And truthfully, it's super surreal <laughs> to kind of you know, see those ultrasound pictures and her starting to take shape and form. And truthfully, uh, Olivia's already changed our priorities. We've already spent time starting to get the house ready and prepare the nursery. And we've already spent the first of what I believe is going to be a lot of money on little Olivia. She's not going to be spoiled at all. <laughs> I can tell you that. But you know what? It's all going to be worth it. And when she comes in November, I know our world is going to completely change. And we're so excited for it. Olivia is the gift that's going to change our priorities, and it's the same thing when we experience the gift of Jesus in our lives and the freedom that he gives us, that our priorities can't help but change. One of my favorite stories of how these priorities have been changed for somebody because of their freedom in Christ is um, the, the gentleman of Henry Nouwen. He's a, he was a Catholic priest, and Henry Nouwen, from a very young age, excelled in school. And he would go on to Ivy, an Ivy League college and later amassed multiple graduate and doctorate and Ph.D. degrees. And he would then go on to teach at prestigious institutions like Harvard, Yale, and Notre Dame. And Henry Nouwen was literally on the top rung of the educational ladder. Yet when he was in his mid-50s, he decided to give up all of it because he felt that he wasn't using the freedom in Christ to its fullest potential that God's equipped and called him to live out. And so he, he left the packed lecture halls that he was used to teaching in to go and become an orderly at a special needs community in Canada. He gave up his famed position to change diapers and give people baths who weren't able to take care of themselves. And while he was there living in this community, he befriended a guy named Trevor. And one day, Trevor needed to go to the hospital for an extended period of evaluation and care at a psychiatric hospital. And so, um, Henry knew of Trevor's uh, travel that he had to do, and um, he wanted to visit his friend Trevor while he was at the hospital for his evaluation and care. And so he contacted the hospital, and he, he began to arrange a visit. And when the hospital got wind that the famous Henry Nouwen, the great philosopher and psychologist, was going to be there among their midst, they said they decided they wanted to throw a special lunch and have Henry be the special guest and say a few words and, and invite the just 
different distinguished guests, different PhDs, different clergymen and, and dignified leaders. And so they set up this entire lunch for Henry in the golden room. It was the nicest room in the whole hospital, reserved for only the best of occasions. They had the finest china and the best silverware all laid out in the golden room. And so the time came for Henry's visit for his friend Trevor. And he arrived at the hospital and the people in, in control organizing the day brought Henry into the room and the, the day kind of began and their festivities ensued and, and Henry quickly noticed that Trevor wasn't there. And so he went to the one in charge and he said, well, where's Trevor? Oh, why isn't he here? And the person responded, oh, well, we have a strict policy here at the hospital that Patients aren't allowed to eat with doctors. And, um, and really, truthfully, there's never been anybody, uh, a patient, that's ever entered in the golden room because that's just our policy and doesn't work. And Henry, well, really disappointed, actually, said, well, my whole point of my visit was to come and see Trevor and to have lunch with him. If Trevor's not allowed in this lunch to be with us, well then I'm not going to be able to attend either. And this upset um, a couple people who thought that, well, patients and doctors should never eat together. This would, should be a bond that was never to be broken. But Henry persisted, and, and he said, no, I'm not going to come if you're not going to let Trevor be here at lunch. So the thought of not having their esteemed guest at their lunch was worse than allowing Trevor to eat in the golden room with Henry. So they went off, and they found Trevor, and they, they brought him there, and he he sat next to Henry in their lunch, and in the, the course of their meal, Henry started talking to somebody to the right of him, getting consumed in this conversation. Trevor slowly snuck out of his seat, and without anybody noticing, he snuck up to the stage and to the podium, and at the mic, he makes an announcement. He says, a toast! I would like to make a toast! And the room, full of PhDs and dignified leaders and clergymen, quickly grew silent. Everybody was wondering, what is this Trevor going to do? And Trevor takes his glass and he, he raises it and he starts singing, If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And nobody was singing at first. But, but Trevor just persisted and he, he was beaming as he just continued to belt it out. If you're happy and you know it, then your face will surely show it. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And slowly, one by one, people started singing at first. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And eventually, the whole room was just busting with everybody singing at the top of their lungs. If you're happy and you know it, raise your glass. And in that room, in that moment, everyone was blessed by somebody willing to use their freedom in Christ to change their priorities. There was no longer haves and have-nots. There was no longer doctors and patients. But everybody was blessed because of how somebody was willing to love. So here's what it all comes down to. Everything that we've been talking about today has been building to this, that it's our third reality of our freedom in Christ, and it's that freedom in Christ is nothing more than the freedom to love. 
It's not about just getting to do whatever we want, but it, our freedom in Christ is simply an opportunity for us to love the world, for us to love another person. And so Paul finishes his explanation about freedom in Christ this way. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were not called to be free, but do not, you are, sorry, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free, but do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. The flesh is just another way of saying, just getting to do whatever you want. You're not called to indulge in that part of you. The flesh is the part of you that's been corrupted by sin, that makes you want to do things that ultimately aren't good for you. You're not called to use your freedom in Christ this way. But here's how you're called to use your freedom. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law... All of those rules and regulations that have separated people from God for so long. Yeah, all of those rules and regulations are fulfilled in this. Is this command, love your neighbor as yourself. It all comes down to having freedom in Christ, being all about freedom to love. And Paul is showing us how to get the full extent out of our freedom, to have a type of freedom that would make Aretha Franklin shout, freedom, right? Freedom in Christ is nothing more than the opportunity to freedom, for freedom and love. And, and when we do this, we get the opportunity to let our freedom ring with how we love. Let our freedom ring by how we care and how we love the homeless. Like Cody Huff, that incredible story that we heard last week, breaking the chains of addiction and bondage. It's letting freedom love the lost, people who feel they're unworthy and never, never acceptable in God's eyes and, and never allowed to have his love. It's, it's letting freedom love the widows and orphans who have nobody to take care of them and nobody to, to provide the resources that they need. It's letting freedom love the most remote parts of the world in the mission field. It's letting freedom love as we disciple the next generation of Christ followers who are to come after us. It's letting freedom love as we serve in whatever way God has called each and every one of us to serve in this world. And so to close, July 4th, 1776, was our birthday of independence here in this country. And it was a great day of independence, but I have a day, an independence day, that I believe is much more important. For me, that day was April 7th, 1996. And on that day, I'm sure many people wrote in their diaries, nothing of much importance happened today. But that day was important to me because that was the day that I gave my life to Jesus and experienced the freedom in Christ from my sin and the freedom from, from being able to love people and however God's called me to love. And from that day forward, it's been my goal, my mission in life to use my freedom to show people that on that day I experienced the greatest independence that has ever been known to the world. And I do that through showing people how to love. What are you going to do with your freedom?